This is Reverend Kirk Lawton, minister at Ocean Lakes Family Campground, and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that this message may enrich your life as you find God especially meaningful to you. Thank you for worshiping with us. Sometimes it's very difficult for Protestants to form an unbiased opinion of the mother of Jesus, the Virgin Mary. And the reason for this is very obvious. The Roman Catholic Church places Mary upon a pedestal which many Protestants believe is unscriptural, excessive, and extreme. And so in retaliation or response, many Protestants in an effort to be non-Catholic in their views sometimes place Mary on a level which fails to show her the proper honor which she rightly deserves. Those of you who know me know that I take no joy whatsoever in comparing different denominational beliefs and trying to downplay or to criticize or to ridicule any other beliefs. And that's not my intent today either. Let me share with you, though, what Robert McCracken, who was the pastor of Riverside Church in New York City, stated some time ago. He said that there was a count of 433 Catholic churches and chapels in Rome. Of these 433, it showed that 121 were dedicated to Mary, but only 15 to Christ. One newspaper reporter apparently felt this overemphasis on Mary as he was covering several parochial school Christmas programs one year. He suggested that on the basis of what he saw in these Catholic schools, it should be called Mary Christmas rather than Mary Christmas. I think it's not slander, and I do not want to slander the Roman Catholic Church ever. But let's observe some titles which the Catholic Church has has uh, conferred upon Mary. Most Holy Mary, Virgin Mother of God, Mother of the Word Incarnate, Mother of Mercy, Queen of Heaven, Advocate of Sinners, Dispenser of Divine Grace, Door to Heaven and Intercessor, and even some more recent titles, Mary of America, Mother of the United Nations, Mother of the Atomic Age, and Our Lady of Television. Nor do I think it's prejudice or slander to take note of what the Roman Catholic belief is concerning Mary. And this is their stated belief. First, the dogma of perpetual virginity. What this means is it says that Mary had no brothers or sisters, and that Mary remained a virgin uh, her entire life. It was not that Mary had none, but Jesus had no brothers or sisters. Mary gave birth only to Jesus and remained a virgin her entire life. That's the doctrine of perpetual virginity. There's another dogma that was declared in the year 1854, and this is the dogma of the Immaculate Conception. This says that Mary was free from original sin from the time that she was conceived. This is not about Jesus, it's about Mary now. From the time Mary was conceived in her mother's womb. Immaculate conception. A third 
belief of the Catholic Church. It was declared by Pope Pius XII and even in more recent years, 1950. This says that Mary ascended bodily into heaven. She did not undergo physical corruption when she died. She was taken up into heaven. The bodily assumption of Mary. Now, while Protestants cannot endorse some of these views about Mary, yet I must say today, and I'm trying to get across the point, that Mary deserves a place of honor. Uh, for Protestants, we would say she's not to be worshipped, she's not to be deified or prayed to, but she does deserve proper recognition. Today we give honor to certain women who excel in beauty and brains, culture, education, athletic ability, wealth, or social status. Even just recently, uh, Rosalind Carter was praised as a woman of integrity, as the husband of a president of the United States, and she was given proper uh, uh, praise and acclaim. But the Bible does not say that Mary possessed any of those attributes. Some women have possessed all of these qualities, but some women are not the kind of woman God would have ever chosen to be the mother of Jesus. Now, why do we honor Mary? Why should we honor Mary? One reason, her purity. No doubt in Mary's day, even as in our own day, there were those who may have said to her, Mary, why be old-fashioned? Come on, have a good time. After all, you're only young once. Mary's virginity, her purity, is nothing to be scoffed at, as some modern teenagers and adults make light of sexual purity. And those who advocate freedom and license will always come to a bitter end one way or another. There's just no way getting around it. You get by for a while, certainly, but God's fire of judgment is going to fall on every sinner that's guilty of immorality. That's whether you're married or single. Those guilty of this sin had better be quick to confess and make matters right to God, who is willing to forgive all our iniquity, as the Scripture promises. Mary could have had her day if she had wanted to. Nazareth, where she came from, was not far from the caravan route, to the seaports. She could have been an easy catch for men traveling through, just 19 miles from the coast, Nazareth was. But we remember and we honor Mary for her purity. What is her best known title? The Virgin Mary. We honor her for her purity. Another reason we honor Mary is for her quietness. The Old Testament scriptures say, there's a time to sil to, for silence, and there's a time to speak. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 7. Apparently, Mary knew the difference. She had the unusual ability of keeping things to herself. Can you imagine how it might have been if Mary had not been able to do this? Luke could have recorded it quite differently if Mary had said, you know, the angels saying that night that my baby was born. I maybe should have known they would because it was an angel who told me I was going to have a baby in the first place. And when he was born, the, sh the shepherds all came and told me about a bright light they had seen. 
about a heavenly chorus they'd heard. And would you believe to top it all off, long time after that, the, the wise men came from the east just to see my baby. I'm sure my little boy will grow up to be an important man. She could have said that. But in the record, Luke says that after the shepherds left, Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Luke 2 verse 19. That's a very significant verse. When Jesus was 12 years old, he amazed the teachers with whom he taught there in the temple. They were all astonished and amazed at this 12-year-old boy's understanding and answers. Can you imagine again what some mothers would have said when they got back home? Oh, I can just hear them. Oh, I wish you had just been there in Jerusalem with us last week. Could have seen the way my baby boy showed his intelligence. Why, he even got into deep theological conversations with those experts who were there at the Feast of the Passover. That was my baby boy. Mary could have said something like that. But again, Luke tells us that when Joseph and Mary found Jesus there in the temple, they went back to Nazareth, and he, that is Jesus, was subject unto them. But Mary kept all these sayings in her heart. Luke 2, verse 51. Mary knew the importance of a normal childhood for her exceptional child so that he could grow up as a real boy. Perhaps this has definite bearing on Luke's, nest, Luke's uh, next statement. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. Mary possessed that rare grace which enabled her to control her tongue. Oh, how that is needed today. I heard about one lady who was known for her gossiping in the small town where she lived. But one day she fell under conviction for her sins, and during a certain revival meeting, she came up to her pastor and said, Preacher, I want to place my tongue on the altar. The preacher replied to her, Dear lady, I'd like to help you, but you know, our altar is only 15 feet long. <laughs> we honor Mary for her quietness. Let me mention one other thing about Mary. We honor her for her love. In order to see the depth of the love which Mary had for Jesus, we have to go beyond the tender manger scene as she's pictured as gentle Mary laying her child lowly in a manger. We must see Mary as she goes back to Nazareth, as she fulfills her role of mother and homemaker. Jesus was her firstborn. But the whole family numbered at least nine. There was the father, the mother, Jesus, four brothers, and at least two sisters. It may have been more, but the Bible talks about two. If you want to read this uh, number, go turn to Matthew chapter 13, verse 55. There was James, Joseph, Simon, uh, Judah, and then two, two girls, at least nine. Can some of, some of you who are mothers can imagine the depth of her love with nine mouths to feed, nine to wash and care for, and all with no washing machine or dryer or anything, no dishwasher, no electric iron, no deep freeze, no modern plumbing, probably a wood stove to cook on, 
no microwave. Mayor Shirley was a hard worker who likely rose often while it was night when the stars were brightly shining. In order to see the depth of Mary's love, though, we must go beyond the days in the home at Nazareth as we see her making a difficult adjustment to the fact that her son was to live a life which was to overshadow her completely. This was made quite plain when Jesus performed his first miracle at the wedding of Cana in Galilee. Mary had asked Jesus to help because they had run out of wine. Jesus reminded her that he was no longer under her jurisdiction. In John chapter 2, verse 4, we read that Jesus said, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Strange sort of response, wasn't it? Well, Mary had to slip back into the shadows of Jesus' life. He had a purpose which transcended earthly ties of love and affection. But speaking of Mary's love, I think in order to really to see the depth of her love, we have to follow Mary as she walks along the streets of Jerusalem one fateful day. She had heard the crowd cry out, Crucify him! Crucify him! And she knew what that meant. She had followed Jesus as he carried his cross. She was there as she heard his groans, his agony shrieking when they drove spikes into his hands and feet. Truly a sword pierced her own side as she watched her boy hanging on the cross, dying a slow, agonizing, torturous death. But the amazing thing is that not one gospel writer records Mary as lifting her voice in his defense. Why? Was it because she didn't love him? Or was it because she knew that it was for this purpose he had come to earth? Mary loved her son no less than any other loving mothers loved their son. But Mary was willing to give him up because thereby he became the Redeemer. Oh, how we do need mothers today who will give their children to the work of the Lord. If mothers give their children to serve overseas, should not Christian mothers be willing to give their children to bring good tidings of joy to people across the ocean? No greater honor could come to a mother than to have a child who was willing to sacrifice all and go to a, another place where God called them, telling the story of Jesus and his love. The hymn writer puts it this way, Give of thy sons to bear the message glorious. Give of thy wealth to speed them on their way. Pour out thy soul for them in prayer victorious, and all thou spendest Jesus will repay. We do not know the details of all the ways, but we do know that Mary must certainly have been repaid for her love as she gave her son, Jesus. And so we've spent these few moments together today in honor of Mary. We, as Protestants, do not worship her nor give her our prayers or devotion, 
For 1 Timothy 2 verse 5 says, There is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. We remember that Mary was a sinner and she needed a Savior, as we all do. And if Mary is in heaven, as we surely believe she is, it is not because God chose her to be the mother of Jesus, but rather it's because Mary chose Jesus to be her personal Savior through her faith in Him. Oh God, help us to have that kind of faith too, of knowing that we can trust in Jesus, even as Mary did, and know that He is ready and willing to forgive all of our sins and to pave the way for our eternal home in heaven. Thank you for that great blessing today. We offer our prayer in the name of our Savior Jesus. Amen.